I try to bring you in right as you're about to go hard on it. Yep, there you are. There's JD. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the, there we go, uh, True Christian Ministry Podcast, our Monday episode before the week starts, but part two to our Arminianism and Calvinism discussion. But uh, what's going on, JD? What's happening, brother? Big. Good to see you. Good to see everybody in the chat. Welcome back. It's Monday, and uh, we're, we're ready to get into it. This is our favorite time of the week podcast tom we love we love spending time with you guys we love discussing the word of god um as always don't forget to subscribe don't forget to like if you uh, are looking at supporting this ministry and this page the best way for you to do that is to like subscribe and share this video so that the youtube algorithm pushes this out to more people and we can get the gospel out to more people that's the end goal but Amen. good to be back Amen. Yes, sir. And also we are live on TikTok as always. Um, if you guys want to be able to participate in the comment section or see what's on screen, you got to come over to YouTube, but by all means you can stay on TikTok. Uh, but I mean, guys, we know that this topic is, is, I mean, we spent the entire episode last, last episode right on Calvinism. So let's just dive into our discussion here. If you were with us on Wednesday, um, then you remember our Calvinism discussion. If you missed it, you can go back and listen to it, but we spent the whole entire episode breaking up uh, what Calvinism is and what that Reformed theology kind of uh, entails and, you know, the misconceptions of it and what it really is. We used this right here, if you remember, and we said we're going to get into the Arminian views um, on, on, on this next episode. So we're going to dive right into it because, like I said, I don't know how long this one might take us because this one actually a lot of people are, are, are Arminian or at least aligned to it and don't even know it. Right. Like I feel like to be in, in the reform theology, you have yeah. to be aware of it or at least be aware that you're near it. Like some people are just in this area because that's just what their church is, but it's not like a center of their identity or any type of focus like that. Yeah. Yeah. From, from what we can tell, like if you look at modern day, modern day Christianity, uh, at least at least 50% of Christians are like two point or three point Arminianists. Um, and, and they, like Mike said, they don't even know, they don't even know that that's the case. And, and one of the, one of the, the things that stick out to us, especially on TikTok, because it's a subject we, we get attacked for all the time is eternal security. So when we look at the final point, which we'll get there, um, by the end of this episode, but the final point on what, you know, uh, Armenians believe is that you can give your salvation back or you can walk away from your salvation um, and that your salvation isn't eternal unless you 
keep working for it <laughs> yeah, in a nutshell. So when we, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. We have a delay tonight. Sometimes I love the internet. Sometimes I can feel like JD and I are like, there's no delay. So as soon as I finish, he hears me. But when there's a delay interjecting is very difficult. By the time he hears me, he's already continuing his uh, statement. So apologize there, but I wanted to add real quick, JD. I don't know if I mentioned this on our last episode, but, um, there's one big clear distinction between these two viewpoints that every Christian does align with, whether you want to admit it or not. If I look at your theology, I can tell you where you're at. And it's monogism and synergism. And on the right, we have synergism. On the left, we have monogism as far as these two look at things. And what that means is obviously mono meaning one. So monogism is there's one that saves. It's God. You play no part in it. You don't get to decide how you get saved or when you get saved or if you lose that salvation, it is God. And then there is synergism, which is God saving with your cooperation. So people can walk away. People can lose their salvation. They have to keep certain standards. So it's not just God. There's a cooperation, right? So synergism on the right, monergism on the left. And even if you're not one of these two, most likely if you look at how you view the gospel, you, you align with either monergism or synergism. So I wanted to just add that, JD, but you yeah. go ahead and continue. Yeah, so so then then we've got this little one that creeps right in between Calvinism and Arminianism, and that's that's Molinism, and 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 Molinists are like they've adapted certain views from the Reformation and certain certain views from uh, Arminius as well. So we've got you know a 50-50 split uh, where Molinists also um, ultimately uh, fall victim to eisegeting the text where it's it's a progressive revelation as we go and that in 2024 god is somehow still speaking through people and to people directly where this contradicts what we what we believe what we see in the text what we take from the bible let me just put it this way if we read the book of revelation that is the revelation there are no new revelations about revelation so, so when people come to you and say, oh, I've, I've, I've figured this out, uh, you know, I'm going to show you something. You see these videos on TikTok. Stop. Don't scroll. I'm going to show you in Revelation you've never seen before. Like, uh, okay, <laughs> whatever. Um, scroll immediately. That's my advice. Uh, <laughs> do the opposite of those people realize that uh, prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And that testimony has been fulfilled and is now complete. Like, I want you to think about that. What is prophecy throughout all the Bible about the coming of Christ or the coming of his return? Like, there's no prophecy outside of the plan of Christ and what Christ is doing. What? Mm -hmm. There's nothing. Even if it's a small portion of it or whatever, right? So seeing that we now know the end, John receives the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the end. This is literally what all the way up until death is destroyed. So what other prophecy could you bring? See, what they fail to realize is that the apostles were speaking prophetically, absolutely, because they were speaking the word of God, just as you speak the word of God now, because we have the revelation. So yeah, I just had to add that. I know tonight's not the prophecy episode, but absolutely, man. But yeah, it's, it, it is actually, it's, it's, it's not the prophecy episode, but it's important to, to bring this up. If we're, if we're getting into Arminianism, we have to explain how they get to this view, how they think that there are still modern day prophets, that there are still apostles walking on the earth. And, and, and one of the questions that, that, that we ask um, 
uh, those who, who take God at his word and, and, and believe that the time of the prophets has been fulfilled. Um, even Jesus Christ pointing to John the Baptist, stating that John the Baptist is the last of the prophets. Um, we, we see today on TikTok, you can just type in hashtag prophet and you will come across over 500,000 uh, different uh, they're, prophets they're pretty, on TikTok. They're pretty painful. Yeah. They're very painful, and and what's 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 funny about this is is that not a single one of these prophets, um, are, are God just decided to leave out COVID to all of them. Like none of them foresaw this thing happening. I think a none lot of them, them saw a worldwide COVID. <laughs> none of them saw this worldwide lockdown. God just emitted that from the script. So again, when we when we look at the the prophets of the Old Testament, and I love to use the example of Elijah and Elisha. We see the Elijah stepping down in order for Elisha to step up. And at any given time throughout the Old Testament, we only see one mouthpiece of God being used. Um, there are not multiple, but, you know, during the time of, of you know, Isaiah, there weren't, you know, 400,000 other prophets running around Israel also prophesying and claiming that they were speaking for God. So today we've got hundreds of thousands of prophets um, all claiming that they're hearing from God, all giving prophecy regarding the end times. Um, but if we look at the at the text and we look and we see that everything we need to know about how this world will end has been given to us by Jesus Christ himself and the 12 that he chose. So we don't need to now uh, in 2024 uh, go search for the latest prophecy because the canon is closed and again, this is going to come down to your style of hermeneutics and whether you are exegeting or eisegeting the text. Um, and a lot of the comments, like I said to Mike before we came live, and I just want to you know, just want to say this, you know, I was going through the comment section on, on a couple of Mike's videos. Um, and it's just sad. It's just sad because, you know, Paul, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13, you know, when I was a child, I spake as a child. Um, but now. Now that we're mature, now that we've grown up spiritually, let us move on to spiritual perfection as, as the author in Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Let us move on to perfection. Let us not lay again the foundation. Um, and, and the problem with a lot of the questions that I see is, is that there has the foundation has never been laid. The, the, the foundation of truth has never been laid. And because that foundation was never laid, we've got these questions that spiral out of control. That's it. This computer doesn't let me be able to do this on time. <laughs> I wanted it on time. <laughs> As you know, that my computer is not always friendly. Um, yeah, dude, uh, my comment section is painful. And you're right. What people probably think is painful isn't what you and I see as painful. What you and I see as painful is the people that look genuine. But like, why are you asking that question? Why are these the questions that are coming up? Why are you believing the first video? Mike, I saw a video about anointing my home with oil for the Passover. Like what? What Passover? <laughs> what Passover? That shouldn't, you shouldn't even have to come ask me that question. That should not right. be something you right. need to ask me or JD, your mama, your daddy, unless you're 14 or 15, whatever. But that's not a, what do you mean? I, if, if I came across that video, my question would be what Passover, <laughs> what, what was, what's happening? I need new blood, new, new, new covering, new anointing. That's crazy. But no, some questions just, yeah, <laughs> mm. it's, it's painful. 
All right. So to recap yeah. real quick, I'm going to shoot through Tulip so fast just to give you a recap uh, to what the uh, the Calvinist side uh, stands on as far as their beliefs so that we can dive into the five points of Arminianism. So for Tulip, the five points of Calvinism, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. As we discussed, you can't take one of these by themselves. Uh, when you're going to analyze them, we have to show the respect when looking at other theological lenses to stand in the shoes of those lenses, right? That's what atheists do, where they try to argue from outside of it. Like, yeah, you doesn't make sense. I disagree. But if TLIP were true, and, and if that if their doctrine were true in that sense, 100%, then you becomes true, right? So that's what I mean. So let's look at it all. Total depravity. Man is incapable of coming to God. Uh, he is born in his sin, and he is dead in his sin. So man can't just wake up one day and be like, I'm going to follow God today and be good because our nature is sinful. God needs to start something in us to get that to happen. You, unconditional election, meaning uh, it's not anything you've done that God chooses to save you for. Uh, it, it happens before you could ever make a decision. Jacob, how I love these, all how I've hated. Uh, L, limited atonement. If T and you are true, then that means only the selected elect are saved. Therefore, the atonement is for the elect, not for the wicked. Uh, I, if all that other stuff is true, then therefore God's grace is irresistible. If God chooses to save you, you will be saved. Um, and then P, perseverance of the saints. If T, U, L, and I are true, I don't think P is even needed to be said, but obviously it's a part of, I mean, what's a Thule? You got to, you know, they say a Thule and this turns into something like, you know, sounds like hip hop back when I was growing up, keep the Thule on you. So you got to add the P there, JD. So I feel like P is really unnecessary and redundant if you think about it though. Like if all the other are true, why does it need to be yeah. clarified? Like, oh, and the saints will persevere. Yeah, duh. <laughs> if if you's true and yeah. I's true and yeah. L's true, yeah, yeah. But okay, so that's the run through on. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's 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 kind of. Go ahead. Yeah, it's completely arbitrary. It's it's completely arbitrary. Like if 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 God is the one who does the saving, God is the one who you know who does all the work in you. God has chosen you from the beginning. Uh, then then perseverance is kind of like you say. It's a redundant. It's a redundant P. But ultimately, Which, even uh, though even though you and I will can stand up and disagree with these points and how they present them and what they believe, I can agree to the point of what you just said. If you think about it, if people's foundation is correct, you should losing salvation doesn't even become a question. Like, it's honestly confusing that mm -hmm. we see people discussing it because all like how many times have we said this throws sanctification out the window because it's like, wait a minute we're skipping things that God has said will happen. Like, and, and yeah, sure. You can lose your salvation. If the beginning part is your foundation that you made up, but if all these things we believe are true about God, then how do you even, that's not even on the course. That's that's, there's no accidental turn yeah. down that road, but uh, right. you wanted to, uh, you want to start with this. Cause I know that you wanted to add to the fact that it's not just depri uh, deprivation that they believe in um, for the Arminianism. Yeah. Partial you deprivation. First point. Yeah. Yeah, so we we with with Arminianism, you know, we see Calvinists believe in total depravity that that the human is completely fallen and completely riddled by sin, and and sin is 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 not only a a condition um, of the flesh, but it is a condition we are born into. Where the Arminius says that we are born in a sinful world, 
and tainted by the sin we commit, not necessarily not necessarily deprived um, of you know not not necessarily totally deprived and totally sinful. So so they they beg the question that certain individuals are better than others. Some are good. Uh, some have got you know some form of goodness to them. Um, and again, this is the problem. The problem with this is, is, is if we look at sin and our view of sin um, is, you know, most people, especially if it comes to like the, uh, the atheist um, and they see a news bulletin, for example, man uh, chops up 20 kids in or you know whatever the case may be they look at the news and go that is a bad person and that is a sinner um, and they don't look at themselves going well i haven't i haven't done this you know i haven't i haven't committed adultery or murder and therefore i'm a better person um and this is not the right way to view sin um because <laughs> we we look at we look at sin and and we see you know and mark and i have addressed this on many 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 a podcast you know Anything that is not a faith is sin. So your thoughts, the condition of your heart, you know, even having a fleeting moment of, of anger and, and reacting in that anger is sin. So the way Arminianists view sin is, is ultimately, and, and they, will, they will take on the Calvinist for this, but they're doing this in, in, in just a different light. They're saying there are better people than other people and and, and where Calvinists might suggest that there are saved and unsaved and those that were predestined for salvation and those that were predestined for, you know, condemnation. Um, so again, both views have their flaws. Both views have their flaws and, and we've got to be very careful with how we, how we view sin as a whole. So I pulled this one up because I, I forgot I also had this JD. And I think this, the way this is written in there describes a pretty generalized view of it. And again, I think if you remember in our last episode, we made it clear that with Arminianism, this one varies. So you can have someone who lines up with like four of the points and they're like, eh, I don't really agree with that. This is the generalized kind of statement. But it says, although human nature was seriously affected by the fall, man has not been left in a state of total spiritual helplessness. So if you stop here, what's the difference? Uh, the Calvinist will say we are dead in our sins, as Ephesians 2 opens up saying, uh, you know, for you were dead in your sins. So they'll say that the spiritual man is dead or the, before Christ, the spirit in you is dead. You're, you're dead in your sins. Meanwhile, they're saying more so. Not that you're dead, but like you're wounded and you're injured. Your spirit is your spirit is on the way to death. Like it's inevitable end is death, but it still has some freedom in it. Right. And then it says God graciously enables every sinner to repent and believe, but he does not interfere with man's freedom. Each sinner possesses a free will and his eternal destiny depends on how he uses it. Man's freedom consists of his ability to choose good over evil in spiritual matters. His will is not enslaved to his sinful nature. Now, that's a scary way to end that statement because Romans 6 literally is contrary to that. Like 100% contrary to that. Paul says you were slaves to your sin and now we are slaves to righteousness. So I, even though there's parts of that that you and I would all say, Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I'm with that. I'm with that. Suddenly it'll take a left turn. Right. Um, 
Yeah, so Sineda, also true, takes away the glory of God, right? So this is why people call me a Calvinist, mm -hmm. because I'll look at that and say, no, 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 because that rejects truth of Scripture that I think a lot of people are scared to admit. Look, we want so much control, J.D., that people are scared to admit that we're not in full control of this thing. We're not. I don't take yeah. away man's ability to make choices and our responsibility to do so. But as far as everything else goes, God is sovereign. And I don't think enough people yeah. understand that if you don't see what's wrong in that left statement, just like you see, like if you're only looking at the right saying, no, that's, mm -mm, that's wrong, but you can't see what's wrong yeah. in that left statement. We need to really look at Amen. both of these. Amen. And, and this is, this is, this is the Romans non debate um, that is age old um, and as, as has separated many brothers in Christ uh, for, for as far back in history as you can go. Um, and, and this comes to, <laughs> This comes this comes down to how does God's sovereignty and and human beings' free will, uh, or man's nature, or our free will or our free choices, how does God's sovereignty and our, our free will play play a part in our salvation? And and again, the the healthy way to view God's sovereignty is is that ultimately, and 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 this is this is what happens when we read scriptures like John 3 16 for God so loved the world when we see in Colossians that God God's desires for all men to come to the knowledge of the truth for all men to be saved again your heart condition your heart condition we can preach the gospel to someone 20 times and they won't accept it where we can preach the gospel to someone else once and they can accept it the heart condition yet has their heart grown callous? Have they hardened their hearts towards God? Again, we've just gone through this in Exodus. We've, you know, the the reality of 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 hardening your heart towards the gospel is is again a state. You're accepting your state of deprivation, and and Mark and I will both lean more towards the the human nature's total depravity because because we can relate to how we reacted to, to people preaching to us prior to us coming to the truth. It was like, what is this guy even on? Like, if God was real, then, and, and this is why we are sympathetic with some of the questions we get, uh, where we can see the atheist is actually seeking, and you can discern the difference between someone who is actually seeking the truth and someone who has just grown callous and is just trying to look, get a reaction. That's all. You know, JD, I'm going to be honest with you. And again, this might also be why people call me Calvinist. And I'm glad we're doing this episode. Let's get these things aired out because I want people to be aware of where I stand at it. I can't help but look at things. When, but when you look at these two descriptions, I don't know, for everybody watching on YouTube, tell me if you don't see this. When I read the one on the left, it looks like the main story of all of existence, right? Like what's the main story? What's the purpose, right? It looks like it's about man. And when I look at the one on the right, it looks like it's about God. And I know that you've probably heard uh, people say this before and myself say it, but some people believe in a man-centered gospel. And then some people believe in what's called a God-centered gospel. What's the one on the left say? Like God created all this for you and it's around you and he's watching you and it's all up to you on your choice. And what will you do? And like, yes, we have a choice. And if everything stops at my life, then sure, then that's really what it is. But if the truth is that it's the end goal is about God's glorification and God is the one getting there, it's him doing all this. So when I look at the one on the right, which says that God is making these decisions at the end of it all and, 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 he is universally in charge, then I see the truth there. Now, granted, 
we will disagree with some of those uh, aspects again in there about, you know, people being incapable of coming versus the call upon all men. But that's where I don't like the other side of things. When people get scared of giving up authority of their own life, they run in the opposite direction so far that they snatch authority from God. Because yeah. the, the gospel is centered on the glory of God, for the glory of God, all about his glory. It's about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's not about, look at everybody, even God watching me, like, is he going to do it? Jesus, come here. Yes, Father. Look, look, look. There's Mike. Let's hope that today he does enough to get saved because I, I really want him to be saved, but I can't do anything. I just have to watch him. Come on, Mike. Cheer him on. But yet he intervenes all throughout Scripture, right? Like, it's this weird idea. I don't know, JD. Maybe I'm tripping, but it almost makes it seem like God can't touch it. And this is more of an entertainment experience for me or something. I, I don't know. I don't see a God centered gospel when you run all the way that far in that direction to the Arminian side. Yeah. And again, this is why yeah. people probably say Mike's a Calvinist because I can't run that way. It's like, Hey, look, I'm not over there, but I'm not finna go over there. Like that's, that's not where I'm finna go. So sure, I'll align closer to these guys that you disagree with because at least they're not snatching God's glory from them. Mm. And I think that's that's the biggest thing. If we look look at how things how things spiraled out of control when it came to the the Arminian stance, is is again um, we see many examples of eisegesis where where the progressive revelation of scripture is is twisted into a way that today this can mean this um and basically what this is called is you're allegorizing um certain passages of scripture and there's and you say okay well it meant that then but no one reads scripture that way if we use biblical hermeneutics and we we see an example of where jesus is speaking to the 12 jesus is speaking to the 12 He's not, he's not going, okay, this is to you and to every single other person after you. And this is ultimately why people think there are still apostles today, because they've taken a passage where Jesus is speaking specifically to Peter about his mission, and they're adapting it to their own lifestyle. Uh, there isn't another Cephas. There isn't when another Jesus Peter says, Get behind me, Satan. Like, why don't people cherry yeah. pick scriptures for all mankind yeah. when the scripture says that, you know, woe to you well, or your your mouth is mm. like venomous asps? Why is it that people only want to mm. attribute the ones that really benefit them? Like, oh, no, Mary is all of our mothers because mm. Jesus told John, this is your mother. Yeah. Jesus told Peter, get behind me. Yeah. Was he talking yeah. to you? Amen. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't know who he's talking to. Um. I agree. Zemiri, That's a good point. It's a very good point. I, yeah. I don't believe it's, that it's, it's, a, it's a very good point. Yeah. What? Not at all. You talk about not, his not comment? All. Yeah, cooperation feels like work, but exactly. Exactly. And, and 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 this is this is this is why, you know, when people are like, cool, if you've if you've got to decide which way do you lean, it's pretty obvious why we get accused of certain things well, because the funny thing jd wait 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 because the very people that will despise the right side most likely lean that way i i know people who believe in faith alone eternal security like all the solas 
And then we'll be like, oh, Calvinism is a doctrine of demons. Like, first of all, hold on now. Like, I don't like the whole sovereignty thing that they paint God with either. I think they went too far too, but <laughs> hold up now. We have, like, there's no sola fide mm. in, in Arminianism. Some people might think there is, but it's not because it's not faith alone. You got to keep your condition of your salvation. Faith. Yeah. And then, and then uh, uh, eternal security. We, it, we just said, you know what I mean? Like, so of course, if you don't align to that side, I, I wonder what you believe. You get people also to say, well, I refuse to align anywhere. Like, so do I, but you won't allow that to slide. So since you force me to be over there, I'm going to take you with me and say, you're over here too with me, if that's how it's going to be. <laughs> like, if we're forced mm, to have mm, to be. I mean, and this is. Yeah. Amen. And this is this is exactly what brings us into the, the, the second point of conditional election. So, so God um, foresees who will be saved and then decrees it so so again this seems this seems like a crazy contradiction so if god foresaw it why did he need to decree it no. <laughs> it, it makes absolutely no sense so if god is omniscient and and you understand what i'm saying so so this oh, view, um, and again this is why we'll look at arminianism and go like the, the, <laughs> you know, there's, there's literally, there's, I, I can't, I can't, there is, there's nothing within Arminianism that I can look at and go, I agree with that statement because I ultimately I they're saying God is debate. sovereign. I was listening to a debate with a Roman Catholic <laughs> and they were asking him about like, you know, eternal security and can you be sure? And they, and they said, well, they do believe that God does give uh, perseverance to some. And then, so he asked them, okay, well, how does he decide that? Because you're saying that there are some elect. Because what sort of like the, the stance that this guy was taking was like, all that is true in the Bible, but that's not about all saved people. Like God does have an elect, but then others can get saved too, but they got to earn that basically, right? So like, I, I'm not saying that's what Catholics believe, but that's the way he presented this sort of, like there is some elect that will persevere. But what my point is, he was asked, you know, why, 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 why are they chosen or how does that work? And he said, God knows that they are the ones that will be saved. And I'm glad that the person debating called him like, well, then why would he have to give him perseverance if he knew that he would be saved? And it falls apart here. If you really ask the question, well, wait a mm -hmm. minute. If he's foreseeing that they will believe, that means he's foreseeing their response to the call. So therefore his action is in his foresight so therefore, like people try to work this around. This makes it seem like God's a fortune teller and not declaring the end from the beginning. Like he's peering ahead. Exactly. Well, how does that play a part with his input already? Is he like, I'm going to give this much. Is that enough? Is that I'm going to give this much. Is that enough? All right. That's enough to get him saved. Like I, I it, it falls apart on itself like that. It's it leads to what's called open theism, which is a belief that God looks into the future mm to obtain knowledge not that he just knows yeah also to give you another analogy it's kind of like god sitting on a chair and he's viewing you through a tv screen and going oh okay let's see what he chooses then based on what he's choosing i will then determine the future from what choice you make that makes god that takes away god's omniscience then he isn't omniscient, then he isn't all-powerful and all-knowing. Because if he's waiting for your decision to determine the outcome, 
then how could he know the end from the beginning? I'm over here reading it while you're See, talking. See, it's, it's again. This sentence, it's, it's, it's election, therefore, was determined by or conditioned upon what man would do. There we go. That's exactly the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, that's exactly the point I'm trying to make. So, so depending on Christians, so completely depending on Christians and what we do depends on how God ends things. Do you see you know how... I'm sorry, JD. I keep interjecting. I think it's funny because people nah, will try cool, and say <laughs> people will try and say the Calvinist God is evil because I used to say that. But when I look at that, that's a pretty creepy version of what they're saying, though, because they're saying God determined to elect me based on how I would respond to him, which to me doesn't exist yet. I, I'm not there yet. So all I have to do is say, OK, well, I'm still chosen based on something I don't even know I'm going to do yet. Like. That still doesn't fall track. Like, so wait, but what if I am going to do that? Why doesn't God warn me? Why doesn't God say, hey, you're going to fall away at this time and don't? Why, why would he let, allow that to happen? If he wants to save me so bad and he peered into the future and he he wants me to be saved and he could interject there, why, why doesn't he? It, it makes it yeah. sound like you could also run that through. Like that doesn't, what are we talking about here? Peering into the future. No, God declares the beginning from the end yeah. and the end from the beginning. Exactly. Again, we can go right back to God loved God loved Jacob and, and, and hated Esau on, on this on this very, very thing, right? And we can say, and if we're honest, if we're honest theologians and we, we are speaking about the sovereignty of God, the honest theologian will tell you there are certain things and aspects about God's sovereignty that we just do not understand, that we just do not know, and we cannot know. And, and, and Paul even elaborates on, on the fact that we see only partly. We see through a glass dimly. When that which is perfect has come, we will be able to see the fullness of Christ. We'll be able to see the fullness of God's counsel. We'll be able to understand the fullness of who God is. The, again, when it comes to this, discu this discussion, the Arminius view, causes a lot of confusion so so what about the sinful life i led like what about that like so god allowed me to live a life of wickedness and sin uh because he knew i was going to make up my mind today and follow the gospel again our response our response to the gospel you know if we go through the first chapter of john and the emphasis he puts on our response to the light. What does he say? The, the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. If we look at the words of Jesus Christ, the, the, those who responded to the gospel, we see in one instance, he spoke in parables as to confuse the Pharisees. And then in the next, next instance, we say those who are of the truth will know the truth. Those who came to Christ seeking truth could understand what Christ was saying. But those who had their hearts hardened, those who, who, who were puffed up by self-righteousness missed the gospel. Again, this is, we're always going to, and, and when people ask, okay, what do you believe, J.D.? This is exactly how I view it. God is sovereign over all things. He knows the end from the beginning. And, and what happens in between? And why would Jesus commission his disciples to go out and make disciples if there was no need to preach the gospel? 
and, and this is where we look at the two conflicting views, the Armenian points and the Calvinistic points, where I can disagree with both in a sense that if, from the Calvinistic point, if you were, if God already chose at the foundation who would and who wouldn't, then ultimately there is no great commission and ultimately it's a pointless act. And with these Arminists who think that they've got something to do with how God determines the beginning from the end. Again, it's 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 a gospel that is man-centered, where where we'll look at the reformers and go, I can I can much rather agree with the with the Calvinists in terms of of God's sovereignty than I can with the Arminiast who says God is sovereign to a degree, depending on my decision. I mean, no it, matter it how you feel about the right side. I just want to read from top to bottom because I'm I keep reading this and I'm just like how do you not read this and see that this doesn't sound like the god of of the bible. Again, no matter how you feel about that right side. You can say I disagree with this, but let's read this. God's choice of certain individuals unto salvation before the foundation of the world was based upon his foreseeing that they would respond to his call. He selected only those whom he knew would of themselves freely believe the gospel. Election, therefore, was determined by or conditioned upon what man would do, the faith which God foresaw and upon which he based his choice was not given to the sinner by God. It was not created by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit, but resulted solely from man's will. I'm what? Yeah. John one literally says that a man cannot be born again based on his will. Like John one throws that Mm -hmm. away. Um, several, I just, man, that that's why I can't go to that side. JD. I could never, that's why no matter what, I'm always going to lean this way. And they're always going to say you're a Calvinist, but it makes me sad is that Calvinist has a, a dirty taste in your mouth. When you say it, it's got like a, a bad ring to it, but yet Arminianism doesn't like, I'm sorry, but that that's, that's a man's man's God's yeah. entire plan determines on man's man's will is determining uh, is determined by yeah. man's will. Like that's crazy. Yeah. I'm Steven sorry. But... 2.0 man. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely like, crazy. It's ridiculous. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, I call, I call my sheep. Hear my voice. Uh, yeah, I don't know how people know, can't again, get I mean, how people put emphasis on this. Yeah. I mean, and Paul puts emphasis on that as well. Christ has called us in. Christ has called. Without the call of Christ, if Jesus, let's just remove Jesus from the equation. If Jesus did not come to die on the cross, what then? Let's be honest. Let's be honest and say, let's say the sacrifice of Christ never took place and we were still bound by the law. How many of the 65 people that are here today would be living according to the law of Moses? So again, to will and to want, you know, we can, the, the, I could never, ever, ever agree with the, the, the Arminian view here that, that if you had anything to do, if you had anything to do with your salvation, then the sacrifice of Christ is in vain. And, and, and this is what Paul says to St. Galatians 2. If, 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 if he says, I am, I am crucified with Christ, yet I live. Yet the life that I now live in the flesh, I live for Christ. 
And he, he goes on to say that if Christ, if, if righteousness come by the law, and, and again, if we look at the law, you, you can add will to that. If, if righteousness comes by your will or your response, then Christ is dead in vain. Then Jesus died for nothing. If you could Amen. play a part in it. Amen. Now, this is going to be the one where everybody's going to have a big problem with on, on the Calvinist side. And I agree to an extent. However, I want you to see why the left side also, how it's worded, is completely wrong. And, and, and we'll take a look at this here. This is the limited atonement uh, argument. And people get really offended at this when they hear the terms limited atonement because what they hear is Jesus didn't die for everyone. He only died for some. That's what they hear. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but we have to make sure we understand what's being said because you also don't want to slip into this left side. Read what it, Let's read it out loud. Christ's redeeming work made it possible for everyone to be saved, but did not actually secure the salvation of anyone. Although Christ died Ooh. for all men and for every man, only those who believe on him are saved. His death enabled God to pardon sinners on the condition that they believe, but it did not actually put away anyone's sin. And what happens here is it then slips into you can lose salvation. So therefore your pardon doesn't take place until you finish life. And you finish it in the state of belief, like you don't fall away and die, but you you have to kind of get there. Therefore, Christ's sacrifice didn't do it yet. It's like a it's like on a reserve. This is why I can't go on that side either, because what this says is Christ's death is for all people, but it only works if I put the work in. But that that's that mm -hmm. is a problem for me, right? Because wait a minute, Huge. no, people that reject Jesus aren't forgiven. But but yet Paul says what? That when he got on that cross, it canceled the debt. That's what he said. The de like the debt against you was canceled, not awaiting cancellation. It said it was canceled, right? Well, is it canceled for the person who never comes to Christ? Because if so, then he's free. This is why we have to be sure what we're talking about when we're talking about the, the blood of Christ. And people get scared of saying it. We all limit that blood, no matter what you want to say. We either limit it by man's choice or God's choice, or some other thing that we decide to decide, but it's either universalism, which means everybody's saved, whether they believe or not, or there are some type of conditions, whether those conditions are met by man or God, is for us to talk about, debate, read the Bible about, and, and argue about. But no matter what, mm, mm. we cannot deny the fact that we all limit the atonement. The person today that is yeah. loving Satan and will die loving Satan his sins are not paid for. He is walking around guilty. Those that are in Christ, their sins yeah. are paid for. Their sin tomorrow doesn't even count against them. Right? So this is why I want to say before we jump, I know that the right side of that people don't like. But don't jump so far that you step into the ground where it seems like God can't actually save anyone unless man allows him to do so. Because that would mean... In mm -hmm. the all, uh, even though it's unlike it's unprobable, that would mean that there is a percentage out there of the uh, of the possibility of God being alone in heaven, not a single man coming to him. Like if it's really dependent 100% upon man, then if you were to do analytics and whatnot and say, what's the chances? No matter what, that would mean there's an actual possibility of God not saving any. What if we all said no? Mm -hmm. That's crazy to think that man could foil the plots of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why I have to say 
well, I'm not going to jump all the way there, but let's not just allow people to summarize and be like, this is what you should believe. What does the word of God say? Because Wednesday, JD and I are going to dive into the scriptures on all this and kind of walk through why we stand where we stand. Um, and, and we'll be able to kind of come yeah. back to these moments that we've kind of foreshadowed, right? This is a little three-part series we're doing here. But you you feel me though, JD. Um, yeah. This is one that I have trouble even having yeah. discussions with because there are people that won't even let us have these discussions without trying to heretic hunt. Isn't that a shame? Like yeah. Pick a side. And, and now. again, this is this is this is a yeah, and this is on both sides of the spectrum because because yes, yes, what we see from the charismatic movement, they have this this thing they call an altar call, where you come down to the altar and you parrot a prayer and you invite Jesus into your heart. And um, then you sin on Wednesday. So next week, Sunday, you've backslidden and you're going to come back down to the altar and, and parrot this prayer again. And, and, and this is, this is again, this is what they're saying in a nutshell. So your sins are only forgiven based on whether or not you are, uh, allowing your sins to be forgiven. So when we look at this, I'm I'm in the I'm in the middle of the ocean. I'm busy drowning. And I've got my hand out. Christ comes by in a lifeboat. He sticks his hand into the water. He pulls me out of the water. He puts me into the boat. All of the saving is done by him. He brought the boat. He stuck his hand out. He put me in the boat. All now, I will interject for JD's purpose here. dependent on Christ. Just to add to what you're saying, though, so that you can, you guys can understand the opposite side of this. Remember, I debated Calvinists. The Calvinist response to JD would be, well, the dead man can't put his arm out, right? Because remember, we, we, they, they go with that man is dead in their sins to the point where you, you couldn't even put your arm out to God unless God gave you life first, right? So this is where you're going to see that big division. Uh, mm -hmm. At least I know mm -hmm. where JD and I are going to have that discussion about man's ability to uh, accept that call versus God only calls those that he gives the ability to receive the call. Um, because their response would be, yeah. and I'm sure JD's heard this, oh, well, the dead man can't reach up. A dead man can't get up. And, and don't get me wrong. The argument is sound. Don't you dare dismiss it as if it's not a sound argument and think that you could just go, yeah, right, without being able to exegete the text because they're going to – the problem is I don't think people realize this, but even if you don't agree with Calvinism, a lot of them do understand how to properly discuss scripture. And you can't just be like, no, that's stupid. That's silly. No. And a lot of people try that. A lot of people try to dismiss yeah. uh, Reformed theology, JD, with the uh, you're wrong, and they'll just look at you like, well, scripture says this. So we do have to, you know, come across yeah. that like, okay, when does God give me that ability? And I think you and me have talked about this off air, JD, of the big question. When do we get faith? Does it like, does God give us faith or is faith ours that we begin with, even though we do know faith is a gift as well. So like what we've had this discussion and this is one I can honestly tell you, I yeah. don't know the answer to this. But if anyone tells you it's cut and dry that God doesn't play a part before you even come to him, I don't know what your testimony is, but God was pulling on my heart way before I ever gave him my life. There, there was a clear uh, point where he starts to regenerate Amen. me. So now we have to ask the question, does God start that process of making me alive? And this is why, again, 
people might say Mike's a Calvinist because I'm going to say, well, I don't know here. Like, I don't know when God played that role in there. Yeah. But he played a role, bro. Well, I can't let me, let me Let me offer... Let me offer a quick rebuttal, and and it's I'm so glad you brought that up because what I have answered to 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 my Calvinist friends in the past is is Paul tells us that God gives unto every single man a measure of faith. It doesn't say only the elect. He says every single man has been given a measure of faith. Romans one tells us that everybody knows God from things visible and invisible. So again, us denying God is a heart condition. I'm gonna always come back to this heart condition thing. So we know. From a very, very young age, we're seeking answers. When, when someone says, I wasn't, you're a liar, sit down. You were you were seeking answers. We were seeking answers. So from a very, very young age, you're seeking answers. You're seeking the truth. Once we come to the knowledge of, of, of right and wrong, once we once we understand that there is a thing such as life and death, we start seeking for answers. How long am I going to live? What is the purpose of my life? Why am I here? What am I doing? And, and when we start asking these questions, the Bible provides these answers. So with this, with this, my hand and my belief is that we're all, if we go to John, if we go to John 3, which we brought up the other day, this is the condemnation. That those people, we're all in the ocean with our hands up. Because if we look at, Col at Colossians, uh, at Second Timothy, Paul says to us that we were once alienated and enemies of God. So, again, this is not a question of, of stone dead. Dead in your trespasses could mean many, many things, um, and it can be translated into many, many ways. But the, the crux of the matter is each and every single person has been given a measure of faith. Each and every single person is seeking after God. And each and every single person know that he's out there. But the reality is some decide to reject what Amen. is evidently pro pro provided in front of their faces. And, and I love Praise that Jesus. you said that Wednesday we're going to dive into that because that is where J.D. and I agree that every man has been given that faith by God. And it's that heart condition that we allow to either grow that faith by continuously seeking truth or we reject that truth and harden our heart. And that flame of the fire that is our faith is like a pilot light. And here's here's what Romans 1 says. If God says, if you keep rejecting me and all you got left is a pilot light, God will do this. And once that flame's gone, you don't get that back. God gave you that in the first place. He gave you that. Yes, 100% yeah. true. This is where, and I think JD would agree with me here. This is where I line in that middle ground where I'm like, yeah, there's truth there. There's truth there. God did give faith. God did give call. Uh, give the call. God does choose. That's why it says many are called, only a few are chosen. Many are given that fire, that faith. But then many of them Amen. harden that and when you harden that heart, it cuts off the oxygen to that fire and it goes away. But Wednesday, 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 we will get to that. Let me not get too excited, but I Praise love that Jesus. way that you worded yeah. that about the, yeah. Um, so now let's get yeah. into the I, because this is where another one that I think a lot of people struggle with, but I got to be honest with you, this one, I have grown more towards hmm, having to lean more towards, again, that sovereignty position, because this is the irresistible grace part. And again, at this point, when you get to this point of the doctrines on either side, the things underneath of it matter, right? The things underneath of what we're discussing already at the I play a major part because if T, U, and L are true on the Calvinist side, then I is obviously, right? There's not even a question on I. 
like duh. I mean, you and L kind of uh, make I true. Same thing with the other side, but the I here is the irresistible grace. And we talked about it. Calvinists believe, and I'll just read it. In addition to the outward general call to salvation, which is made to everyone who hears the gospel, the Holy Spirit extends to the elect a special inward call that inevitably brings them to salvation. The external call, which is made to all without distinction, can be and often is rejected, whereas the internal call, which is made only to the elect, cannot be rejected. It is always results in conversion. It always results in conversion. And basically what this is saying is that if you are one of the elect, God calls you in your heart to the point where there's you, it's not something you can say no to. It changes you. It starts to change who you are. You start wanting him. It changes your nature, and therefore, they're not saying, see, this is the problem. People think, oh, so you're saying it's robots. No, no, no. It's saying that God gives life to a dead body, so that dead body starts eating fruit again instead of eating zombie brains, right? So a zombie wants to eat brains because he's a zombie, but if God gives that zombie life again and that zombie becomes a living person again, well, now he's going to sit down and cook his food. God didn't make him cook his food. God gave him life again. Life again produced him wanting to cook his food. That's what they believe. Now, on the other side, the spirit calls inwardly all those who are called outwardly by the gospel invitation. So the spirit actually tries to change people. He does all that he can to bring every sinner to salvation. Again, this is why on this side of things, it gets kind of creepy because you're saying God does all that he can, meaning that there is nothing more that God can do to save you if you say no to him. Like if the Holy Spirit slips up in you yeah. and you feel that good feeling, like I should, I should love God. You could be like, no, Holy Spirit, get out of here, you little, you little animal, which is crazy because Romans six says that you couldn't do that to sin. <laughs> None of us can tell sin. No, we are. We love our sin. I don't know if you tried it before. Mm. I tried it before, but yet people think they can smack the hand of God, but let's keep reading it. He does all that he can to bring every sinner to salvation, even though he fails, obviously. But inasmuch as man is free, he can successfully resist the Spirit's call. The Spirit cannot regenerate the sinner until he believes. Faith, which is man's contribution, precedes and makes possible the new birth. Thus, man's free will limits the Spirit in the application of Christ's saving work. I'm sorry. I just really have to, because again... I'm tired, of people <laughs> I'm tired of people misrepresenting the, the Calvinist side. Um, and, and I get called a Calvinist uh, def apologist or defender. I don't know what I get called, but I get called stuff without having to step up and say, well, wait a minute. That is the most anti-biblical statement I've ever heard in my life. Because he just said that it's the man's will and belief that determines whether he is born again of the spirit. But the Bible says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Um, we played no part in that part. Like, let's not take away. This is my problem. Don't run away from something yeah. so fast that you take away God's power and authority. Again. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And we we look at this again, and uh, absolutely, there is there's nothing I can stand with on the on the Armenian side when it comes to rejection of the Holy Spirit. And and I want to put it to you in plain layman's terms. It's like someone putting a fried egg on toast in front of you, and you going, "That's not a fried egg on toast." It's it's 
it's literally not calling a spade a spade. It's literally not calling an apple an apple. Uh, the 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 puffed up idea that you have control over whether or not you will be saved or not. It's like again, it's it's a man language takes away what the word grace means, of, JD. Of the, yeah, hundred percent. It's a man-centered view of the gospel. Um, and again, guys, if you've if you've read this and you go look at the entire charismatic movement today, and 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 all of these people that say you're a backslidden Christian, you're gonna come back, you can give up your salvation, all of these things that they use, this is this is embedded in there. That that and and this is also why they they invite the Holy Spirit to their conferences, you know. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Like, the, like Holy the Holy Spirit, Spirit needs, needs the Holy Spirit needs an God. God needs to be invited into the world He created. Imagine this. We see this in Genesis. The Spirit hovered over the deep. So, so the Holy Spirit, which has been poured, which has been poured out upon all flesh, as we see Joel two, Acts two. Holy Spirit has been poured out upon all flesh. So again. Each man, Paul's not lying when he says each man has been given the measure of faith. It's not something we we have to go and seek. Oh, I opened the door. Oh, I found two faith tablets. I'm going to drink these today so that maybe I can invite the Holy Spirit. Um, no, 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 no. Let's let's stop that nonsense. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> Enough of that. What's funny is even when you talk about these these things when it comes to this, it also like makes sense with these things that like the way that they try to act like they control the Holy Spirit. These these groups that prof- prophesy whenever they want and speak in tongues whenever they want, like the Holy Spirit is a tool and not God. Because last I checked, God don't need permission. Like I don't know how many times I say to people like. Mm-mm. Yes, God has given me freedom. If he walked in this room, I could get up and walk out unless he says stop. The people on the left side just make it seem like you could yeah. turn to God and be like, no, and <laughs> and keep walking. Like, I, yeah, I'm sorry. You can turn around. Not today. No, Not today. No, you couldn't. <laughs> like, so at the end of the day, just a reminder, um, what I is saying is this. Again, remember how we talked about earlier that if if salvation is truly 100% on man and God cannot save anybody without man's permission, then that means there is a possibility, even though it's highly improbable, that no man be saved. Well, likewise, on I here, I is stating that there's a possibility that Mary would have said no to God, that Paul would have been like, nah, I'm cool, Jesus, that um, Moses would have been like, mm, I think I'm good. Mr. Bush. Um, that's what irresistible yeah. grace is, is yeah. saying on their side, right? Like at the end of the day, we have to say that there is a point where God gives us freedom, but it is limited based on what he allows. Nebuchadnezzar didn't get to choose that he ate the grass and had a debased mind. And the Bible says at the end, every single knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Now, I don't know about you, JD. I don't see that being voluntary for everybody because there's some people who hate God. I see God showing off his magnificent mm-hmm. sovereignty and power. Like while I was gone, y'all talked real reckless. I control your very lips that you speak with. Like whether, whether you like call me unfair, mm. now you can't call me anything because you can't move your lips without my permission. 
Did you think I cared what you thought I meant, what you thought about what a God should do, could do, and, and would do? If I were hungry, I would not have told you for the fullness of this world are mine. Just being, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm not about to, again, run away from this fear because here's the thing. People come around, come across these words in the Bible that take away man's ability to be in charge of things, and they fear it because we want authority. So much so that we demand mm -hmm. the fact that we can lose our salvation or give it back. Not that I would give it back, but I need to make it very clear that God's not in charge here. If I wanted to, if I wanted to, I could tell God no and say, I'm yeah. not getting saved. If, if, if God wants me in his presence, he better hope I said, I, I keep this, this going, right? Like, I'm just saying. That's the, the mindset yeah. of the, the mind over there. And I can't go that way all the way. I have to say, no, no, no. God can fully yeah. do as he pleases. Let's not be tri Let's not be tripping over here. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and this is ultimately why people look at us like we're crazy when we say uh, to these deconstructing Christians, you were never saved. You were never saved because the grace of God is, in fact, not something you can walk away from. If you've come to the knowledge of the truth believe the gospel it's not something you wake up one day going nah no longer believe it's 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 the same as as as, as corbin waking up tomorrow or dominic waking up tomorrow and sitting up in their bed going ice cold saying oh i wonder if he's still my father it's not a question that concerns our children it's it, dominic or corbin they're not going to wake up and he, corbin's not going to come to michael tomorrow and go oh yo are you still my daddy like do you see how ridiculous that is? It's JD. It's almost it's, like it's, imagine you all, we all die tomorrow and then someone brought us back. And then now that we're alive, we say, I'd rather be dead. This is what we mean when we say a man can't walk away from God. It's not that God is like just a choice in their life. And it's a flavor of ice cream. I decided this week I like next week. I don't like. We are dead in our sins. We are used to living as death. In fact, I want you to imagine that you're in a dark room and everything feels like a comfortable room. The bed is comfortable. There's no light, but you live in darkness, but you're comfortable in your darkness. It's just a comfortable room. But one day someone turns on lights and you find out you've been laying on dead skin and dead animals and feces. If so, would you ever turn the lights off on purpose or would you not realize this is not what I want? You see, God turns the lights on. God gives life. That means once I'm alive, nobody wants to die. And being alive, being alive in Christ is eternal life. So again, this idea that there are people that God gives life to, eternal life to, and then they freely, they have to believe in hell if they were saved, right? They freely chose hell? You want me to believe that? There are people that said, I don't want eternity. I don't want life. I don't want the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want death. The only person that says that knows no, knows no has no idea of what those gifts are because they never touched them, never tasted them, never felt them. Mm. Yeah, and, and that's exactly it. That's exactly, and, and this is why the the author of Hebrews chapter six is is speaking in, in, in hypothetical language, saying it is impossible for those who have tasted the, the the gifts of the Holy Spirit, who have been partakers of the Holy Ghost, who have tasted of the world to come, if they should fall away. It is impossible. People leave that yeah. word out, for it is impossible. What is impossible for God? I can tell you what one thing that is impossible for God. It is impossible for God to have us in his hand 
and someone to snatch him out. I'll tell you what is impossible for God. It's impossible for us to be sealed with the Holy Spirit and then someone unsealing us with that Hebrews Holy Spirit Hebrews 6 tells us it's so, impossible for again, God to lie if you keep going down in that chapter. Exactly. And, and, and what does Paul say? That God be true and every man a liar. So Amen. again, the fallibility of man, the fallibility of man has got nothing to do with the infallibility of God. So, so when we look at this, both Michael and I, you know, are going to say, again, we, we have to agree with the reformers on this one because you cannot resist, you cannot resist what has, what has been made evidently clear. You and here's my statement real clear for you those cannot. that are watching. And I know planning and plotting, if you are upset that we would rather say the right side than the left side, show me biblically why the left side makes more sense than the right. Don't go outside of this. Cause we're saying between these two, right? That's so if these are options, the right side is going to be more biblical than the left side, no matter what, because the left side literally makes it a man-centered gospel where in all technicality, heaven could be very empty technically. Like it, it's not, it's not likely, but there's a possibility of heaven being almost completely empty because of the fact that man can say no. And, and every man can just be like, no, you know what, God? No, no. The final one. Yeah. Imagine this, the, imagine this the one is actually, we about, yeah. I mean, before, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. It's, it's just ridiculous. Imagine a deathbed confession, you know, a deathbed confession, someone lying on their deathbed moments before they die and they go, okay, I'm, just before I die, I just want to make this clear that I'm giving it back. So here at the Man, Perseverance of the Saints part, just... um, the Arminians believe those who believe are truly saved can lose their salvation by failing to keep up their faith, etc. All Arminians have not been agreed on this point. Some are held that believe some do hold that, that believers are eternally secure in Christ, that once a sinner is regenerated, he can never be lost. So this is the one spot where we're going to see some variance. And mainly what it's saying is there's some people that say, well, no, 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 that power that God has, it kicks in once you come to him. Right. So once you come to him, then he has full control and it's been given to him and therefore nothing can stop. And then the other size size the other side of arminianism is as we see all the time no i you can straight up just one day wake up and be like you know what god you haven't been the genie i want you to be so i'm gonna go ahead and openly choose the eternal uh torment over you okay all right smoochums bye-bye like I, <clears throat> and that person truly believed like that person just woke up in a cheerful mood saying you know hell sounds delightful yeah, let me in. It's called Sineda made such an incredible <laughs> point that she said, I believe that if these points were taught to a room without mentioning John Calvin, most would agree. And that's what I said earlier. Oops. That's what I said earlier, that when people stand heavily against Calvinism, what they don't realize is they stand so hard against it that they prove that they're not cons uh, consistent in their own beliefs. Because, again, there's a lot of things that we do as Protestants believe that Calvinists believe. I've told people many times that you and a Calvinist are not that different. Some of my closest friends are Calvinists, and we have nope. our little arguments about the call of Amen. man and, and drawing of man, but we believe in the same Jesus, the Son of God, eternally begotten. And I'm going to just be honest with you. J.D. and I said it in the last episode. I talk to a lot of people from a lot of different doctrines, a lot of different 
theological lenses and eschatological views, a lot of people. And the majority in this generation that are going to be the more uh, the more respectful of scriptures and exegesis and sola scriptura are reformed Christians. Now, that's not a denomination because what people don't realize is you could be a reformed Baptist, reformed Presbyterian. Right. But in my experience, that's that's up there with as far as the people that you're going to have these kinds of conversations with other people like the progressives and the uh uh, Pentecostal, we've had our conversations about the emotion followers, right? You got people that go all the way that way, emotions, all the way that way, exegesis, and then you've got a, a, a scale of it. So they have been, to my experience, the most respectful of the scriptures. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and I love all my, all my Calvinist brothers in Christ. And, and again, uh, one thing I, I, I will say on that, on exactly what you've said, what really um, changed my mind towards Calvinism uh, as as a whole was whenever I'm having a discussion with the Calvinist, they don't get angry and violent and start using ad hominems if you disagree with them. Um, where the Armenian crew, when you tell them that you cannot lose your salvation, they get militant. Um, <coughs> you know, they get they get proper upset. Um, to, you know, to the extent where it's like, well, you're just stupid. You just need to read your Bible more. You don't understand the scriptures. It's always, uh, you know, like I say, it's, it, it, it immediately moves over to an attack on, on a person's character. And um, again, we, we sit, you know, well, let me speak for myself. I, I, I love my Calvinist brothers and sisters. And, and there are Armenian brothers and sisters in Christ who I, who I don't agree with, but we're still brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, we don't get to choose who our brothers and sisters in Christ are. Those who have believed the gospel out of a pure heart um, are saved and sealed with the Holy Spirit, regardless of semantics, regardless of secondary issues, regardless of eschatology, regardless of all these things, we don't get to choose who our brothers and sisters in Christ are. But again, when 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 Mark and I, and this is this is how narrow-minded some people can be, is is if Mark and I can look at at the five points of tulip and say we can agree with that statement to a certain degree, and people go, ah, he's a crypto Calvinist, he's an undercover Calvinist. Uh, again, what has this got to do with the gospel message? What has this got to do with salvation that is given by God? As Paul says in in Romans one verse sixteen, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is what the power of god unto salvation not the power of mike unto salvation not the power of jd unto salvation not the power of the armenian unto salvation the power of god unto salvation again when we respond to the gospel out of a contrite heart as our brother chris said in the chat as well if you respond out of a place of humility if you respond because you've recognized as paul says to us in second corinthians chapter 7 repentance godly sorrow brings forth repentance that leads to salvation uh, again if you come to terms with the fact that you are dead in your sin then only can you respond to the gospel uh, this is this, these are areas where we look at at the the reformed brothers and sisters in christ and especially the calvinists and we can go i can agree i can agree with that statement um, you know, it doesn't make know, it's it's funny. There are many things within, like say. <laughs> you know, it's funny, JD. Yeah. 
Um, people, like you said, people like to nitpick and try and do that, but it, I don't find that productive. But if we were going to nitpick, I just want to point something out that I, I think this is hilarious. I heard this once that I've never forgotten it. The people that hate Calvinists and talk trash about them the most don't even realize that their entire prayer life is is reformed. Because the thing is, how many of you have ever been told, pray for that person? If the Arminian view that we just read is accurate, can I ask you guys a question? Do my prayers for someone to come to faith have any effect whatsoever if God can't interfere with the person to come to faith? Why is it that we say pray for that person? Why is it we say we're going to pray that the Lord pulls on your heart, tugs on your heart? I'm going to pray that my mom comes to Jesus. Why? Why? Why do you say your will be done? God's will doesn't trump my will. Why doesn't the Our Father say uh, my will and your will be done? And may our wills be cooperative towards each other to work together for <laughs> harmony for the one will of man God or God man. And we'll talk about the title on that later when my lawyers get here, Lord, um, since I am fully in control of this conversation. If I want to end it right now, you can't talk to me. I can talk to you whenever I want. But if I wanted to, I will shut this down, Lord. Um, I just want to know, show me, I'm just being real. Again, I know the video is coming tomorrow of somebody saying it, whatever. I don't watch any videos I get tagged in. Show me a prayer that lines up with the left side of this the chart we looked at, and I'll show you a terrible prayer you should never pray. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. So I'm not saying you can't say these things if you're not a Calvinist. What I'm saying, yeah. though, is if you act like you hate Calvinism and Calvinism believes in robots and you're not willing to talk about the nuances and and the and the uh, uh, just our mind trying to wrap around the sovereignty of how God's power works, then you're crazy because we all pray in a very Calvinistic way in the sense of if we're making fun of the idea that, oh, Calvinists think that God can pull on a man's heart against his will, then why do you pray for it? Why does any of us pray for the person that doesn't come to God saying, Lord, please, Lord, please That's pull on his heart? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. One thousand percent. Amen. And, and it's always going to come back to the to the same thing. I love all my brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of what you hold to. And and and, and when I, I see people not regardless, that have pickles, become JD, clicky it, and you you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pickles. Obviously, pickles. But the 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 be all and end all of of our goal as Christians is to preach the gospel to every living creature. That's the be all and end all. And and when it comes to having these discussions, and and, and this is this is why I, I I love I love this podcast. I love doing this with 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 my brother here because you people people just also uh, have made these presuppositions. That 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 Mark and I agree on absolutely every little thing there is to agree on. And here's the funny thing: even if we don't agree on something, it's got nothing to do with salvation. We can have discussions, and Mark and I have had some discussions off air where we he, he's given me a lot to think about, and 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 watching the videos and going back and forth. There's a lot of things to think about, a lot of things to consider. And we look at it from every single perspective. This is ultimately what we're called to do as brothers and sisters in Christ. Reason with one another with the scriptures. This is what I see. What do you see? This is how I interpret that. What do you interpret here? 
Um, because ultimately, uh, here's the one thing that Mike and I do have in common, and we we will die on this wall, is, is we don't want to misrepresent God. We don't want to misrepresent God. We, we don't want to take God out of context. We don't want to say God is something that he isn't. So we diligently go through the scriptures. And if we've, if we've made a mistake or if we've erred in, in, in some form, way, shape or form, then we apologize with great humility because we do not want to misrepresent God and his word. And, and, and again, we'll get so much flack for saying there isn't a perfect translation, but someone sent up that again. It's, 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 this is what it comes down to. If human beings, interpreters are fallible, doesn't mean that the word of God isn't inerrant. If you're reading the NASB, the ESV, the KJV, the NKJV, God's word is inerrant. The core of the message is not lost. Whether there is a different word or an apostrophe or an and where there wasn't one there, people look at that and go, ah, error, look at this, corrupt translation, like, Get out of that narrow mindset. That's that's 100%. We, you, you've got to get out of that narrow mindset because for the last 2,000 years, the message of Christ has been constant. Jesus came, died on the cross, was buried, and rose to life on the third day. That is the constant. We see the promise in Genesis, and we see how it all unfolds in Revelation. Believe the gospel. Bottom line. Can't finish. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, hey, you killed it, man. I was just listening. I was reading the comments as you were going through that and, and talking about that. And I really have nothing um to really add in that. Um, yeah, man. Amen. I can't wait for Wednesday's episode as we dive into uh these types of topics. And if you were, I saw a lot of comments about this topic, and you know, you might have come in in the middle. Wednesday's episode, we're gonna go back through this in a sense, but rather than Looking at what these two believe, we're just going to talk about what the scripture says about a man's ability and and whatnot and and faith and and let you go to the scriptures and say, okay, what what do the scriptures say? As we as JD quoted earlier, let all men be liars and let God be true. Uh, let's stop tr trying to figure out how God should do things and what I think would be the best way about going about it, um, because He hmm. did not request your advice. Um, he did not request your opinion and he knows what he's doing. So that's what my focus is going to be on is what is God revealed to us as far as how things operate. And let's just sit with that. JD mentioned, you know, how Christians are supposed to be. Maybe it's because we don't sharpen steel anymore. So you don't get the analogy of uh, or iron, iron sharpening iron. But think about it like sparring. Like you're going to get hit sometimes in sparring and you might get uncomfortable. But don't take that serious and start swinging back. Right, like if me and JD are sparring and he catches me off guard, pop. Oh man, I'm not supposed to think like, oh, he meant to hit me. Now I'm gonna hit him, and then it becomes a fight. Brothers in Christ spar. Like, ah, wait a minute, what about this? Ah, good point. Well, what about this? And we can do that, but we don't go suddenly like, well, I hate you and you're not my brother and you're a spawn of Satan, you demon. Oh, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> Relationships are over. People are like, I hate him. Yeah. But yeah, amen. We need to sharpen each other up. That's what literally that's yeah. what it's about. The delay is so hard to pass yeah. it. Yeah. Like and I've 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 watched days. some over the years. Go ahead. Yeah, it's it's bad tonight, but I've watched some good debates between between brothers in Christ when it comes to passages like Romans 9, 
Ephesians chapter 2 um, when it comes to election. And, and you know what? These great debate, the, what happens is, is we see brothers giving conflicting views. And this is literally what happens when, and, and a lot of people don't know this, but when we talk about iron sharpening iron, the process isn't comfortable. <laughs> The process is uncomfortable. And, and this is why when, when, when steel goes into the fire, it gets burnt. Steel goes into the fire, it gets burnt so that it softens up. Then that steel comes out and what happens? It's met with a hammer, a steel hammer that beats it into position. So again, when, when we're sparring and we're, we're going to and fro with scriptures, the end goal is, again, let's, is the subject we're discussing salvific? And if it is not salvific, don't get bent out of shape, man. Don't get angry. Like, why are you so angry? I see some people on TikTok and I'm like, why are you so angry, man? Like, what's it got to do with, with, with your salvation? But, but as Mark said, Wednesday we'll go through the scriptures. I know Wednesday is going to be a powerful episode. So save. Save the date, man. Save the date because we're going to go. We're going to pull up logos yeah. and we're going to go through a ton of scriptures. Logos, logos, at time. Logos, it's, it's that time of the night where we start getting a little <laughs> like we're just trying to kind of draw logos. it out five more minutes, just trying to make it. Let's see, anybody got any questions, comments, concerns, anything up? Let's open up the phone lines, JD, John Dre. Um, and let's see what the folks have to say. What do y'all <laughs> think about that little flip when JD comes on with the little flip? He got the Superman flip going on. So, Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a good episode talking about predestination. But as far as that second half of your question, and I got to yawn. All right, I'm back. I understand the, uh, that he came to die for sins. If sin was absent, would he still have come? This is a, this is uh, what I don't like is when we do these what ifs. And here's my advice for your sister. Uh, what ifs like this are just head games. You're asking yourself, well, if sin doesn't exist, does he still come? Well, if sin doesn't exist, does death ever come? If death never, never comes, then it's just Adam and Eve and God. It's just three people hanging out for all eternity because if there's no death, there's no reproduction because we know childbirth comes after the fall because he taught, well, we think that maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe it's just Adam and Eve and all their babies. Regardless, existence would be different. So like this, what if can open up a door of hypothetical, hypothetical, hypothetical. And then we're just in fan fiction at that point. What has happened? What has happened? That's all we need to concern ourselves with. Don't get stressed out trying to say, well, okay, let me fully fathom this to the degree to which I understand how this would work, even in different scenarios. That's not for us to know. You and I don't lay the blueprints and put it together. We are co-workers with him. In fact, uh, the Bible says that we are fellow workers. Uh, God is, uh, we are his field. We are his building, right? We do what he points us to do. He says, go over there, tighten them screws. We don't got to know how the how this all goes up together, right? So that's what my advice would be when it comes to that. We know he came and died for our sins. If there was no sin, would he come? No. And things wouldn't be what they are today, though. Yeah, amen. And it's, 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 again, it's about keeping things within the scope of what we can understand and what we can interpret. And, and, and this is where higher critical scholarship is, is dangerous because people try and take, you know, they're coming out now saying Moses didn't write the, the law and this and that, and this event didn't actually take place because of, so, so again, let's, let's stay within the scope of what we can interpret. And, and there are things, there are things, please understand this. 
brothers and sisters in Christ. They are things that are not mentioned in the Bible, although they did take place. But again, again, the Bible isn't meant to be a full history lesson on mankind from every nook and cranny of the planet. It's it's there. We're looking at a specific lineage. We're looking at the lineage from Adam to David, from David to Christ. That's what we're looking at. We're, so people come over, where did, where, did, where did Abel's kids come from? And where did this happen? And because we don't see these things again, that's not the focus of the word of God. The focus of the word of God is to point you to Christ. It cracks me up, JD. People yeah. be over here really like sitting there like, let me put my glasses on. Hold on. Before I actually believe in an ultimate power, let me know. Um, where did the other people come from? Like, wait, are you saying that how God created is enough for you to say whether you believe in him or not? Last I checked, the question is, does he exist or not? Like people really act like the reason I don't believe is because I can't comprehend with my finite mind how God did it all. And because I don't know how he did it. Don't like that. Don't like that, God. I think God should be stupid mm. like me. And therefore I can comprehend what he what he does. Yeah, that's that's so funny that we just get this comment. It's like you and you and I were talking about this the other day. <laughs> Remember that that first debate. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I went back and recently rewatched parts of my first uh, debate as far as this platform goes, um, and it was rough. It was painful, and I am. I'm thankful that I got to do that, but man, did if I would have been able to do that debate today, that would be a completely different debate, and there would have been moments where I would have snatched some moments because I look back at it like, oh my goodness, I let her say that. Oh my goodness, I allowed that to happen. Um, where's my happy birthday? <gasps> oh, it's it's Mal's birthday. <laughs> so you just dip out. <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday, Mal. Love you lots, sister. Hey guys, uh, let's just let's just bring this. Hey, <laughs> did you kick me off when I came back? <laughs> so, um, I just want to let you guys know. Yeah, I was having internet issues, but right before I lost the internet, I just wanted to say, and I forgot to mention it earlier, Melissa. I don't think you noticed it. You didn't say anything yet. Uh, but happy birthday to you. Uh, JD was supposed to mention it in the pregame run show. I said, JD, make sure you take a moment to really emphasize this to Melissa. She's been here since day one. Don't let this pass by. And he said, I got it, Mike. I looked at him. I said, you sure? And he said, yes. So 100% on him right there. I fully had it planned into the show completely. I'm lying. I'm wrong. I know. JD, do you forgive me for lying? I do, bro. <laughs> Someone's going to clip that and be like, Mike's oh, lying. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, it's it's been real. I can't wait for Wednesday. Wednesday's going to be good. Um, Love you guys. Thanks. Thanks to everyone who's here. Remember, like and subscribe. Check out the links. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on Wednesday. Grace and peace. Yeah.
Wednesday. Make sure you guys tune in Friday to check out the Bible reading. Last week's episode was amazing. We are back, and I really enjoyed last week's episode. And then also, as mentioned in the uh, Bible reading, actually, this will be the first podcast episode where this is mentioned, but True Christian Ministry is partnered up with True uh, True Play. Uh, it's a mobile app on your phone for children. It's got Bible readings and all types of stuff like that. I'm sure you've heard me talk about it, but if you are interested in it, check out the uh, link in my beacons for 20% off on a subscription. I'm not this. We're not being paid to do this. I want you guys to be aware that I love this app. My son and my daughter are fighting over who gets the phone, JD. Like, can I can I do it? Can I do it? Can I do it? I want to do it. They love it. I mean, my daughter's reading time today was spent in the action Bible rather than reading about Elmo counting his, you know, fingers or something stupid. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. But uh, yeah, guys, God bless. Go in peace. And I'll see y'all on uh, TikTok. Mr. Madison... What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. I feel like because I clicked on the wrong sound, I had to let that play out, but we'll do it again. God bless and go in peace.